And welcome back to another episode of Too Much Podtar. As this is going to be our second episode and our first fantasy episode. As we're going to, every week we're going to have a fantasy episode and a regular MLB episode coming out every Monday after we record on Sundays. And you know, today I have with me Johnny Black. Blah 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 blah. Johnny Black. You can follow him on Twitter at jball0202. And we also have with me today the head of the MLB and Fantasy Baseball Department, Matt Bishop. And you can follow him at bishphat, B-I-S-H-P-H-A-T. So we're going to be talking about the breakout sleepers and busts for fantasy this year. And now, Johnny, you want to have anything to say? Yeah, uh, um one of my breakouts definitely this year. Um, I was looking at, you know, been through a few drafts and everything like that. So uh, one of the breakouts I saw was definitely Kettle Marte, guy from Arizona, uh, plays a little second, plays a little short. He's probably going to be playing center field, and he's going to get a lot of outfield time this year, unfortunately, with the Steven Sousa injury that just happened, and he tore basically everything in his leg. Um, but a couple of things, a couple of th- yeah, it was horrible, horrible. I feel bad for the guy, man. I mean, he's too, Susu, and I like Susa, and I actually have him in the TGFBI. I took him as my fifth outfielder because he's two years removed from a 30 home run, 16 stolen base season. So I was like, oh, maybe he'll bounce back, you know, with Pollock not there, he's going to get regular playing time. But unfortunately, you know, hopefully he bounces back next year. But, uh, someone like Kendall Marte took a step forward last year. And I think this year is really his breakout year. The kid's only still 25 years old. Um, and the past three years, he's improved. His K rate's improved. His ISO's improved. His hard hit rate has improved. He's swinging at less bad pitches. The kid's just been pushing forward. He actually managed 14 home runs last year. He doesn't run as much as he used to, like his last year in Seattle, when he had 11 stolen bases a few years ago. But... Someone who's second base shortstop and outfield eligible that's getting everyday playing time, batting at the top of the Arizona lineup. I mean, the Arizona lineup, even though even without Goldschmidt and Pollock and even Sousa, it's they still have David Peralta. They still got Nick Ahmed, who had 16 home runs last year. Eduardo Escobar is playing third now, and Jake Lamb moves over to first. They still got a decent lineup. And, I mean, Kendall Marte... Like I said, he's still only 25 years old. He's improving. His swinging strike rate went down to 6.4 last year. I mean, that's that's incredible. When you talk about the major league averages around 10, 11 percent, it's that that's great. His um, hard hit percentage went all the way up to 36 percent, whereas two years ago it was 21. 
I mean, I think this kid's definitely ready for a breakout. He's a switch hitter. So you know he can you know he's good against righties and lefties. And I he's he's one of my breakouts this year. He's getting drafted really late too. His ADP, uh, according to the NFBC, his ADP since March first, so it's just this past month where most of the fantasy leagues have been drafted. His ADP is still two twenty. So you're getting him. I mean, in a twelve team league, you're getting him in the eighteenth uh, round, nineteenth round, and he's going to have second short and outfield eligibility. I mean, I think it's a no brainer. Especially if your league plays with a middle infielder position, it's de- it's definitely a no brainer. You got anybody, Matt? Yeah, dude, I like Justin Turner. Uh, and you know, I know he's old. I know he's thirty four, but he had kind of a freakish injury where he got hit in the hand uh, from an, an erratic pitch in spring training last year. So I, I think he missed like the first month and a half of the season. But what, this, okay, so right now this dude, Justin Turner is going uh, 105th off the board. His ADP is 105. He's going as the 14th third baseman drafted uh, in fantasy baseball this season. Last season, his second half, this dude hit 356 with 1,000 OPS, um, capped off by an an August where he hit 402 with a 1,200 OPS. Um, This dude, every single metric, you know, that he had, um, in the se- uh, I'm sorry, in, in this month of August, 356 average, second in the MLB, second in OBP, third in slugging, second in OPS. This dude literally let, you know, was in the top five in the league in every statistical category. And this he's literally be drafting, being drafted outside of the top 100 right now. Um, in, in the second half last season, he had a 50% hard contact rate, which was, that was sixth best in the league in the MLB last season in, in, in no half in his entire career. Has he ever had over forty percent hard contact rate? So I think this guy's being overlooked. I think that this guy, you know, with a full season of health, I honestly believe this guy could actually be an MVP candidate. So I think he's being drastically underdrafted and undervalued right now. And I think that he is a guy. He's a league winner if he stays healthy. I agree completely, man. I, I just have to agree with you now. I'll I'll throw in a little more Justin Turner love later on in the show. But I, I'm all about Justin Turner. But guy, yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. And I forgot definitely, to mention, man. my name is Alex Keeler. You can follow me on Twitter at TPE underscore Scorecrow um, AK. And now we next up is going to be the sleeper picks for you guys. So, Johnny, you want to start it off with that? Uh, yeah, one of my sleeper picks um, – the little-known guy, but he's going to be basically the starting catcher down in Texas, is Isaiah Kiner-Falifa. Um, started his career last year. Uh, he's catcher, second, and third eligible, which I like, to, I like the multi-eligible guys with the drafts because especially if you play with a middle infield and corner infield, someone like Kiner-Falifa, he's, he's the 19th catcher off the board. So especially if you're playing a t- Two catcher leagues is very key to have someone like this guy. Um, his plate discipline is great. He had a seven percent, seven point one percent walk rate, and only a fifteen point seven percent strikeout rate last year. And this is for a twenty-four year old rookie. Um, he played one hundred eleven games last year, which he's going to get more playing time this year. He's like I said, he's the starting catcher, but they're going to move him around the diamond. Adrian Beltre re- retired last year, 
So they're going to play him a little bit of a third base. Um, he's probably not going to play a lot of second base because Odor is there. But they've even tried him in the outfield in spring training. So this guy, they're trying to get this guy's bat in the lineup for a reason. Um, his his spray chart looks great. I mean, he pulls the ball 38.7% of the time. He hits the ball to opposite field 29.7% of the time. So it's not like you can shift the guy. And in 111 games last year, he put up a 261 average with four home runs and seven stolen bases. So now we all know that stolen bases are a priority in drafts nowadays because not a lot of people steal bases. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're a little weak in stolen bases and you have a two-catcher league, a guy like Connor Falifa in a full season where, like I said, he played 111 games last year, he plays 140 this year, hits a little better, moves up, takes the next step forward. You're talking about a catcher position eligible player that could steal you 12 to 15 bases. That's a goal line right there. He's yeah. being drafted. He's being drafted 289th overall. <laughs> I mean, so if you're going to get your second catcher in a 12-team league, we're talking about what the 24th round. I mean, yeah. you know, <clears throat> you could do worse than this kid. And I mean, I think, like I said, last year was his first year in the league. So uh, you're talking about a kid that's coming up. He had 261 last year as a rookie. He's he's got the talent. I, I, I just think I just think with the position flexibility, the stolen base potential. Uh, granted, he might not hit you a lot of home runs, but how many catchers do you get that'll give you 10, 15? That's true. So and plus you could play him elsewhere. Even if you have a one catcher league, he's someone that you like on your bench. That if you don't get a Kiki Hernandez or you don't get a Marlon Gonzalez or someone like that that has multiple position flexibility, kind of Felipe is definitely someone you can draft at the end of your draft and kind of stick on your bench even mm-hmm. and just play him whenever the matchup says or if someone gets hurt in any position, second, third, middle infield, corner infield, catcher, he's definitely someone worth looking at. I think he's I think he's definitely a little bit of a sleeper. And I think he's going to put himself – He's like I said, he's the 19th catcher off the board now. I think, honestly, he could put himself in, definitely in the top 12. What do you got, Matt? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think, you know, anytime catcher is just a wasteland, it's a dumpster fire. I equated it the other day to the tight end position in football. There's nobody. There's nothing available on the waiver. So Definitely. if you get a guy that's a catcher and you get a guy that has multiple position eligibility, that is literally, you know, the biggest cherry on top, especially for a guy going in the late 200s in a draft. That's basically free. Uh, so, I, dude, I agree with you 100%. I think the skill set's there for him. And I think uh, another guy that I got, um, David Peralta, the outfielder for the Arizona uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, I think that he did, in fact, have a breakout last season, uh, flew under the radar, hit 30 home runs. He won a, a Silver Slugger award. Um, right now, David Peralta is going uh, 140th overall, which is basically in the 12th round, as the 38th outfielder off the board. Uh, and this guy, you know, 
two of his best months, this guy hit 327 with the 1074 OPS, eight home runs, uh, 443 Woba. Uh, in the month of June, he was pulling the ball about 50% of the time. Second best month was August. He hit 361 with an 1100 OPS, wow. 10 home runs, at 202 WRC plus, 476 Woba. And in August, he was only pulling the ball 37% of the time. So, in my opinion, when I see a guy that goes from a 50% pull percentage one month to a 37% pull uh, pull percentage next month, and he's and he's producing even more, that's a clear cut sign of a breakout to me. Uh, you yeah. know, because that just means he's less dependent on pulling the ball, and he's basically spraying the ball to all fields with power, and he's doing it at a consistent clip, and that just means that. You know, he's he's taken a step forward. And on top of that, um, in August, he had a 62 percent hard contact rate, which was and actually in his second half, he he had a 54, 54 percent hard contact rate, which was the best, the best rate in in baseball in the bigs for the second half. That's just incredible. Uh, The only knock on him is his launch angle is a little bit low. It's a little bit you know below the league average. But I mean, this guy's going 140th overall ADP off the board, 38th. 38th outfielder taken. I think that this guy, you know, even even with a third outfielder slot, like this guy, you know, he's he's prone to break out and take another step forward. I think, and he's another guy that I think's being drastically drastically undervalued, and he could definitely help your team out in the long run. Yeah, so those are some solid picks there for you guys. Um, you know, uh, other thing we wanted to mention was how many leagues you guys have right now so uh johnny how many leagues are you in right now for the season uh i'm in seven leagues right now it's funny because one of my leagues is um with the guy i follow on twitter at mlb random stats jeremy frank um a lot of people on twitter will know him um but he set up a league it's kind of weird i just wanted to mention this but um basically it's a 50 team league he set up four leagues. It was randomly picked between people who like signed up and submitted. And I, I actually got in one of the leagues. But um, basically what you do, it's a 50-team league. You pick four players. And it's one stat. F4. <laughs> and that's it. So you draft these four players. It's a crazy thing. It, but it's, it, it was so – dude, I started drafting this league – on I believe it was December tenth, and I had the fifteenth pick overall, <laughs> and it was draft. It started drafting I think on I think it was December tenth, and I finally ended my draft like February tenth. because oh. it was twelve hour. It was twelve hour picks. Wow. So, God. yeah, it was crazy. I just wanted to mention that late because it was kind of funny that, like, he did something like that. And there's one category, F4. I just want to tell you the four guys I got. I got um, Aaron Judge at 15. I love that. I, I got um, – oh, who was my second pick? Oh, Victor Robles. Nice. I got Nick Pavetta. And I got Jose Peraza. So those are my four guys. Those are my four guys I got as far as F war. Because you know what's interesting about it? When you're talking about F war, you're talking about defense and base running and everything like that. So so you got to kind of take guys that are balanced. I mean, we all know Aaron Judge is a great fielder. He's a great right fielder. 
And I think, uh, personally, I one of my picks for I, – I think Aaron Judge could win the annual MVP this year. Yeah, I think he's going to have a huge year, man. That's my pick. I think he's – He's going to have a huge year, man. I, I think he gets back to 50 home runs, to be honest yeah. with you. Yo, if I could say something real quick about Aaron Judge, I think Aaron Judge, is he's the face of baseball right now. And if you if you love or hate the Yankees, you pretty much love Aaron Judge. That's just my opinion. But mm-hmm. when he was having that catch with that kid in uh, in right field in the stands in Philly, I don't know if you guys saw that. Like, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. He's an ambassador for baseball, bro. Like you don't see anybody else doing that, at, you know, at their, you know, at an away stadium. What he did, and it, I think that was just a, an amazing thing he did. And I just think he's such a great ambassador for baseball. Well, this is why this, this is why too. Not to get off on a tangent, but uh, you know, we're talking baseball, so whatever. But um, this this is why I think you, you've seen a lot of these contracts. You know, yeah. not mm-hmm. to get too far off the fantasy subject, but you've seen a lot of these extensions which is great for like Nolan Arenado is staying in Colorado basically for the rest of his career. We saw DeGrom get extended, Goldschmidt. Granted, he's not in the same spot, but I mean, St. Louis extended him, you know, stuff like that. You're seeing that more and more. Now, I think with the landscape of the free agency the past two years and with the impending CBA coming up in 2021, I think you're seeing these guys. This is like unintended consequences of what's happened in baseball. And I think it's a good thing. Trout's staying in L.A. Harper's going to be with the Phillies for the rest of his career. You know, and this is why the Yankees and Red Sox, we all know that's the major rivalry in baseball and top three in sports, basically. This has gone on for 100 years. And guys like Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts, these are the guys these teams need to sign because this is good for baseball. Aaron Judge is a stand-up guy. Great kid, great ambassador for the game, like you said. I mean, no matter – even if you hate the Yankees, it's, it was almost like Derek Jeter. Even if you yeah. hated the Yankees, yeah. you got you to gotta respect the guy. Mariano Rivera, you got to respect the guy. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the same thing with it's the same thing with Judge and Betts. Like, even though Boston and the Yankee fans hate each other and blah, blah, blah. Betts – I mean, Betts grew up. He does all the right things. And I'm up here in Boston. So I can tell you from personal, from what I hear and everything, uh, Betts is Betts – is, the Aaron Judge of Boston. Yeah, like, true. They're two, they're the faces of the franchise, they're the faces of baseball in the two biggest media markets. So true, bro. You know, along with LA and Chicago. Like, you know, these guys, you know, with all these extensions going on, there's no reason these teams, and there's something, you know, with the money and everything, I get it. There's a production on the field, but there's also something there. You know, baseball has always been a part of everything, part of, it's the part of the culture. It's the part, you know, it's got such a long history compared to even other sports that, you know, you want the right guy to be the face of your franchise. Luckily for the Yankees, you know, they had a Derek Jeter, they had a Marion Rivera, you know, they had guys like that, you know, Boston or David Ortiz. Now you say what you want about David Ortiz, but let me tell you up here, I met David Ortiz. The dude is awesome. The Mm -hmm. dude's like a regular guy. Like, I mean, you know, stuff like that, even after the bombing, like they said, you know, he made the announcement, this is our bucket city. Like, you know what I mean? Like stuff yeah. like that. Like he was, he was all about Boston. Like, and this is, these are the, these are the type of players that get fans in the stands, man. 
and get mm-hmm. people to watch and get people. To, and this is what baseball needs right now. They need to market their players. Mm-hmm. And when you have guys like Jeter and Ortiz and guys like that, well, this is the next generation. Judge, Betts, Harper, Trout. Like You got to market these guys. So sorry. I went off on a tangent, but <laughs> I, 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 I had to say it. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you, though, Johnny. Everything you said, it's just – you know, these young guys are the guys that need to be the face of the game, and it's. I love how every all the all the teams that are starting their young guys off this year, like you know Tatis, he's he's not good. They're not. They don't even care about the you know service time. They're just going to start him anyway because he's he's ready to be in the major leagues now. So it's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful thing with teams. It is. But at yeah. the same time, if you if you realize like these guys, they're not locking up the, a lot of these a lot of these middle tier guys and lower tier guys. They're not locking them up long term, but they're mm-hmm. giving them the service time. They're not no longer manipulating the service time. So I mean, maybe that's the new norm. Maybe this is the blueprint and how it's going to be from now on. It's it's strange. I think a lot of these guys like like Dozier getting a one year deal like that's just crazy to me. This dude hit forty home runs like two years ago. It's mm-hmm. it's just weird what's going on with baseball right now. And I don't know if it's for the good or bad yet. We'll see. I guess. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's get back to fantasy. Um, so what are your Matt? Let's go to you for your leagues. What, how many leagues are you in? Uh, so right now I'm in about six leagues. Uh, t- you know, to be honest, I've been playing fantasy baseball about 15 years. I've been I've been doing a points league for the last 14 years. I actually wasn't introduced to Roto until last year. Um, I prefer points because it's pretty much all I know. But you know, it, and it's hard for me to get to really fully endorse the Roto model with, you know, grabbing home runs and steals, you know, grabbing these categories. But, you know, you know, I'm about six leagues right now. And, you know, it's just for, for people to tell you they know how to draft and for people to, to tell you that, you know, they have any clue during the draft, they're just lying to you. Because once the draft starts, dude, your entire game plan goes right out the window and you're basically just grasping on straws because nobody has the confidence and nobody has the, you know, I know that I get I have a game plan going in all the time, and it literally falls out the window like the second round. So I don't know. <laughs> it's literally just like you, you're just you're just trying to grab onto that light. So, somebody made a good reference. You're trying to grab onto that light post in a hurricane, and that's exactly how it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a good analogy. So definitely, I I'll agree with Matt. Like because you do go in with a plan, but obviously it falls apart. It can fall apart really quickly. Yeah. First you know, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in, I'm in seven leagues. Like I said, one of the leagues is that F four league, so it's a little <laughs> that's a little different, completely different from any other kind of league. But I'm in I'm in a couple keeper leagues. I'm in a I do a roto league with an auction draft, which is a completely different animal as far as drafting goes, because you only nominate someone. There's no draft order. You nominate and you you pay what you think the player is worth. So there's a whole different strategy there of like trying to boost up a player's value so someone else drafts them at a higher money so they use their money because you go into the auction draft with a certain amount of salary. So a whole different strategy there, which I like. You know, and I like getting into these different leagues that, you know, there are different strategies. So I see a little bit of everything, you know, and – the auction draft, it's interesting because guys, I mean, it's inevitable that even the first guy to nominate someone will nominate like Trout 
So you know people are going to pay up. So you're waiting to see who's going to pay the $65 for trout or whatever it may be and blow like a quarter of their – because usually if you're in a 12-team league in auction drafts, you usually have like $260 to spend for a 26-man roster. So the average is out to $10 a person, $10 a player. You know, so you blow 65 bucks on trout. Now you're down below 200 you know, and there's two rules of thought, basically, with roto with uh, auction drafts is that some guys like balanced teams, so they'll spend 25 on one guy, 22 on another, 25 on another, 20, 19, 18. They'll go kind of balanced. Some guys go what they call the studs and scrubs route. So they'll pay $60 for Trout, $50 for Scherzer, $40 for sale, you know, another $35 for J.D. Martinez, and then everyone else on their team is like 2 $3. They'll wait till the end. You know, so it, it's a different – there are different strategies to everything. I mean, but personally, I kind of like the head-to-head points leagues. Me too, bro. You know, and, and the points leagues, because I'm in a couple category leagues too, I understand the – the value in that, but I think the points leagues give overall value to the players you're drafting. Whereas category leagues, you can kind of, you can draft a Joey Gallo and then you could draft a Billy Hamilton and you have like one complete player. Like, you know, I understand the pairings and stuff that goes on in a lot of other leagues too, but in the category leagues, it's more so. Whereas the points leagues, are more you want to look for these guys. I'm in a point. I'm in a couple points leagues. Actually, I run one of the points leagues, uh, and you want to look at guys who have plate discipline because a walk is a point, but a strikeout is negative one. Absolutely. So, if you're in a league like that, you don't want a guy like Joey Gallo. Who cares if he hits 45, 48 home runs? The dude hits 220 and strikes out 200 times. So what kind of points are he, is he going to give you? You know what I mean? You want a guy like Anthony Rizzo, Joey Votto, uh, you know, Frank guys, Lee. Anthony Rendon, um, you know, Carlos Santana, yeah. you know, guys who strike out and walk about the same amount of time. So the, you're kind of balancing that part of their game out, and then you're going to take whatever they give you as far as production goes, mm-hmm. you know. So there's different strategies for different leagues, but personally, yeah, I, I, I have to go head-to-head points leagues. I think are the best I, because not only that, too, with the ro- with the roto leagues, it's all year long. You can't even talk smack with like other players, like because it's all year. At least head-to-head, especially if you're in a league with like people, you, uh, at least a few people you know, you get to talk some smack. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm playing you this week. I'm going to take you down. I got Scherzer starting twice or whatever, you know. So that adds a little more of a fun element to it. And that's what I think some of these guys get away from. You know, this is supposed mm-hmm. to be fun. Yeah. You know, we all play – we play it for money, some of the leagues, and we do DFS and stuff like that. But, I mean, bottom line is this is supposed to be fun. So uh, that's why I like those leagues better. Dude, I agree 100%, man. Points – so <laughs> – Roto leagues, in my opinion, like Roto League, you know, for those, you know, most of you probably know what Roto leagues are, but Roto League is 
you know, it's it's categories. You contribute categories, so you try to win the category for stolen bases, for RBIs, for runs, for home runs. And to me, that's just not, you know, in really the grand scheme of baseball. Like in baseball, you got you want guys that get on base, you want guys that hit for average, you know, they hit a lot of home runs, RBIs. I mean, you know, you're you're not gonna have a guy like Joey Gallo who's gonna hit 40 home runs. You know, but he's going to hit 200 exactly like you just said, dude. That's not going to be helpful in a points league. And to, to me, points leagues are more, you know, more of a parallel to, you know, actual baseball and good baseball players in Roto is where you're just trying to fill a category. So I'm, I'm with you, dude. I, I'm just right. with Roto. I feel like it's Roto's hard to. There's really no instantaneous feedback, and it's really hard to kind of keep track of your players and where where your weaknesses are and what you need to pick up, what you need to drop, because you don't right. have that immediate feedback as as you do in a points league where you just lost by 100 points. You need to you need to get on top of your shit and you need to figure something out. You don't have that in Roto. You, you know, you could be drastically dropping in the, in the standings and you're not really going to know why right away. And it, it's hard to find out why a points league is. It's just that instantaneous gratification where, hey, I just won on one and zero, and I just won by two hundred points. Like you don't really have that same kind of feeling in Rota, and that's just my opinion, you know. No, that's a good that's a good point about noticing like what's wrong with your team. Oh, that, that, that's an excellent point, actually. Uh, like you. with the the difference between a Roto and a head to head, without a doubt, because you go head to head, you lose two two weeks in a row. You're like, well, what's going on with my team? Exactly. With Roto, you can go like a you can go like a month and be like, "How come I dropped five spots in stolen bases? Like, what's going yeah. on here?" You know. But by the time you realize it, there's no one else left on the waiver wire. There's no one left. To, you know. So you're trying to make trades and you're trying to. Yeah, no, that's a great point, actually, Matt. I, you know, honestly, I didn't really, I never really looked at it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yep. that's that's definitely a huge. That's a huge point. And another thing, too, you know, people talk about, like, in points leagues, like, you have this, you know, the playoffs. Like, you know, you know how in fantasy, in fantasy football, dude, when you're in the playoffs, you could be – you could have dominated the entire season. Literally the entire season you could be, you know, the number one point scorer and just be killing teams. You get in that first round of the, play, of the playoffs and you're going to lose and you're out and you're done. Like, that's – that's the whole appeal of Roto to a lot of people that there's no playoff structure. It's basically the best team, you know, didn't do it the cheapest way. The bet, the best team was the best team and they didn't, there was no cheap wins versus, you know, a point structure where you can lose in the first round of playoffs, even if you had the best, most dominant team, you know, because right. somebody else got lucky. So that, that's the whole appeal of Roto versus points. But I, I just see it the other way. I'm, I'm a big points guy. I, I get that point with Roto as far as being a, but you know what? I, I, you know, with Roto too, is that you'll see guys that, you know, if you're in a 12 team Roto league, you know, they're behind in a bunch of categories. They're not catching up. They give up. They give up in July. They're like, I'm done. So what does that do then? Like, you know, you kind of ruin the season. That's why with, with, with head-to-head leagues and stuff, you got to give like at least there's incentive. Like the league I run, we trade draft picks, mm-hmm. so we do keepers, and the keepers are kept for certain draft picks, and also we trade draft picks. Mm-hmm. So this also lends itself to all right, it kind of like baseball itself. I know baseball doesn't really trade draft picks, but it, it it's almost like all right. So look, you know, we're through 13 weeks of the. MLB season and I'm three and 10, you know? Yep. So 
I have a guy that's not a keeper, so I'm not going to keep him next year. But he's a top-notch starter. Let's say Justin Verlander, just to take for an example. Okay? So I could trade him to a team that's looking to make a move in the playoffs that needs a starter, and I could trade Verlander to him for, like, a third rounder next year. Yep, that's true. So I can start building my team for next year, you know, and stuff like that. So there's definitely a different dynamic there. Where Roto, I get the fact that, like, the best team all year, yes, you win. You don't have the luck of the draw as far as playoffs go. With one week, you could be bad, and that's it. But you also have guys falling off in Roto. And they, like I said, at the end of July, they're down and they're not catching up. They stop playing. Yeah. Mm. So then it helps out other guys who, like, you know, maybe the last place team is first in stolen bases, but they stink in every other category. So maybe the guy who was you know, who is closer to can take him over and still on bases. And maybe it's one of the top players. So mm-hmm. if this guy stops playing his guys, now you have another guy who gets another point in that category and it could change what happens. So there, there are long-term effects with that. You know, I mean, it, I get it both sides and that's why I like to do with the seven leagues. I do like, I like to do different things an auction, Roto redraft, keeper leagues, a little bit of everything. Just to get kind auctions of a feel fun, for everything. Man. Auctions are fun, man. Auctions are fun. They're they take fun, so dude. long. They, they take do. so long, though. But it's one of the an auction is like one of those ones you literally have to be paying attention the entire time. Like you can't look away. Versus a snake draft where you're like, hey, I'm up in twelve picks, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna go, you know, do whatever, you know. Well, that's funny because that's what I did in the TGFBI with the fifteen team league that we did. Yeah. I was in. Uh, I had the first pick. <laughs> and then I didn't pick till number 30. That's, yeah, that's so it was like, snake. so it's like, all right, trout, boom. All right, I'll step away for a little while. <laughs> it's like, see, and not only that, it was a slow draft. So we have four hours per pick. So it's like, all right, I won't draft till tomorrow. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's so true, man. So yeah, that was fine with me. It's funny because this year I, I got a couple pick. Let me tell you, um, the other day I was in a redraft league. Uh, one of my money leagues, I was in a redraft league and I had the fourth pick overall. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get it. Arenado, Yelich, JD Martinez. I'm looking at maybe those guys. I was thinking maybe sale, but I was like, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to go bat, you know? So Scherzer goes number one. All right. Well, it, it's pitching heavy. So, I mean, the big-time pitchers, Scherzer gets a lot of points. So, I can't even argue with that. Um, Scherzer goes number one. Trout goes number two. So, I'm like, all right, Betts is going three. But, you know, the dude at number three picked Arenado. So, Betts, yeah. Betts actually fell to me at four. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, really? I will <laughs> take that all day long. That's incredible, wow. dude. That's how I would do with TGFBI, bro. You know, Jose Ramirez felt to me at number nine, and I was just like, like, just handed this gift, and I'm yeah. like, you know, I get, he, I get, he had a bad second half. I understand that he had a hard time hitting breaking balls in the second half, but like, literally, you just handed me Jose Ramirez with a ninth round pick. Like, literally, you know, my draft can only go, still go up from here. It's, it was just, it was incredible to me. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you know, the funny thing was the guy who picked third in that league, he's a Yankee fan. But, I mean, these guys know what they're doing. I mean, you can't be that much of a homer, dude, that you're not going to take a Red Sox player. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, but all I know is I got best with the fourth pick. I was like, wow, I'll Beautiful. take it all day long. <laughs> yeah, what do you got for breakouts, bro? Breakouts? Oh, yeah. let me. Oh, didn't we go over that already? Yeah, I thought we did. did uh... yeah, next up is going to be busts. Whoever, oh, my you're... bad. My bad. What, what do you got for busts, Matt? Yeah. Who, yeah who's you, busting? You go first, buddy. Oh, you're going to make uh, me go first? You were, you were going first the whole time, haven't you? Wait, hey, hold on. I got to figure I got to get my notebook. Hold on a second. Okay, so, All right, so this is Obviously, I think a big one is is Javi Baez. I think we've all talked about him. I think a lot of guys are very weird yeah. to draft him. Um, you know, this guy just absolutely raked last season. Um, you know, he finally came around and had the season. You know, this guy hit, you know, 293, 26, 554, triple slash. Um, you know, but again, he did this with a twenty, like a twenty-six percent strikeout rate and only four and a half percent walk rate. You know, we know what he is. I think everybody at this point, you know, is kind of aware, you know, who he is and what he is. But I mean, thirty-four home runs last year, one hundred and one runs scored, one hundred and eleven RBIs, twenty-one stolen bases. So this guy went thirty-twenty. But you know, his he's just got this just terrible plate discipline. You know, he just. You know he's he's a forty five percent chase a forty five percent chase rate. That's one of the highest in the leagues. Sixty eight percent contact. That's actually below the league, way below the league average. Eighteen percent swing strike rate. That's literally like top five in in baseball right there. So you know, yes, this guy hit two ninety last season, but you know, he's a unicorn. Uh, you know he. He's a unicorn. He's a free swinger that just happened to hit for power. But when he does hit the ball, you know, 40, uh, I think he's at a 40% hard contact rate. You know, this guy has powered all fields, but is he going to hit the ball? I think he was just playing a little bit over his head last season. And I just, you know, right now, I'm sorry, his average draft position. Hang on a second. I'll tell you right now. He's, he's going. He's drafted in like first round, second round. Bobby Byers is going right now. Since March first, he's going seventeenth overall, which is basically the as a second round pick. Uh, he's the second second baseman off the board, and you know, I just I can't invest a second round pick in a, in a free swinger like this in a guy that could possibly hit two twenty five if he if you know if he regresses the way a lot of people expect him to. So I just I can't take him for that draft value. Well, yeah, especially what you two ninety one last year. That's not repeating. We all know that. I mean, so especially if you're in an average league, like a usual five by five, we know the two ninety one average is not coming back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the bust that I have um, is Blake Snell. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone loves him. He won a Cy Young Award last year. Twenty one wins, one point eight nine ERA. You know, two hundred strikeouts and everything like that. You know, but the first solid like the first really good year he put together now you can't predict a sub two era i mean it, it, it happens every so often and i'll point to you remember the year back in was it 2015 arietta and granke both had sub two eras 1.77 i think for 
Granky and one point like six six for Arietta. Like they they were neck and neck for the Cy Young. Arietta mm-hmm. won up winning, yeah. but look what happened to the following year. Now, granted, Granky wound up going to the Diamondbacks, so it was a new park and everything. But even even Arietta, his following year after he won the Cy Young with a sub two ERA, ZRA was three point one. So just looking at that alone, I mean, Blake Snell last year, you know, he had a 241 BABIP, which was one of the lowest in the leagues. He didn't get hit hard and is 88% left on base percentage. That That is what gets me. And I put it in an article that's going to be coming out. You know, we're going to have this article out tomorrow. Um, and I sent it to you, Matt, last night. If you take the 88 left on base percentage, okay, so that means all players that got on base, this is the percent that he left on base. Major League average, okay, is 75. So if you take an 88% and you, all right, granted, Snell misses bats. He had 11, 11 strikeouts per nine last year. Like he misses bats and stuff like that. But if you take the 88% percent left on base percentage and drop it down to say 78 drop it down 10 percent. he's still above league average the 176 players he went on base last year take 10 percent of that and 10 percent of them score his era last year would have been 2.75 so if you take normal regression just by that one stat then you have yes 2.75 2.75 ERA in the American League East. Uh, that's nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's horrible. All I'm saying is you, it, that's just one stat. His FIP was 2.95. His ex-FIP was 3.19, and he also walked more than three batters per nine innings. So his control is not. It's not like he has impeccable control, like a Sale or a Kluber. So. Taking all those things into consideration, I just think I, I see regression. D- don't get me wrong. I think Snell is a great pitcher. I think he's excellent. But people are drafting him 30th overall. So we're talking about third round. I, I think that's a little bit of a reach as far as I'm concerned. And I could see even at normal regression – 30th overall may be a little bit of a reach, but I see a lot more aggression in his profile. I really do. I mean, the contact rate he gives up is, you know, he's still, like I said, he still walks a lot of guys, and his BABIP was really low. So if that goes back to toward the norm, the left on base goes back toward the norm, and his walk rate stays around three per nine, even though he misses bats, Man, I, I still think I could see him at like a three ERA. I I, I, I just see I, I just see major regression with him. And I, I think people are paying way too much for the one year. You know, like they did with, like I said, with Arietta. He had the one year with the Cubs and they were like, Oh, the Cubs are a great team. They went in the World Series, blah blah blah, whatever. And Arietta took a major step back. And granted Arietta's a little older. But Arietta also doesn't have a lot of innings on his didn't have a lot of innings on his arm and stuff like that. And Snell's in a horrible division for that. I mean, he plays aside from the park, he plays in himself. 
they're all hitters parks. I look at the lineups he's facing. I I man, I just think last, like I said, man, like you said with Baez last year, Snell was a unicorn, man. I, I just don't see I see DeGrom more likely to repeat success much more yeah. than Snell. Mm. And now DeGrom is another one that's not gonna have a sub two ERA. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that it's gonna happen. I mean, it happens every so often. I mean, look at Prime Kershaw. He was just ridiculous <laughs> for those like four yeah. or five years. I mean, but that's historic. You know, we're talking Dude, about historic. Ten straight years, bro. Yeah. He was legit, man. Ten like oh. what is it, nine straight years? He was just incredible. Well, Kershaw had uh it was there was a four year stretch. Three of those years he had a sub two ERA and over two thousand uh, and over two hundred strikeouts. Like he, he was just I, I mean, he was like I said, it was a historic run. But you don't see that. Yeah, you know, it's him, Kershaw. I mean, uh, Kershaw, you know, someone like Tom Seaver, Colfax, like hey, Gibson. Well, this is historic. Like a four or five year stretch like that is just, uh, it's unheard of. So I'm, what I'm saying is we're trying to predict and we're trying to look forward and we're looking at the numbers and we have a lot more analytics than they did back then. And you just can't predict that. You can't honestly say that, yes, yeah, Snell's going to have a sub-2 ERA again. <laughs> like, mm, no. It just doesn't, you know, that's not realistic. Yeah, so he'd be, the, he'd be... I think a lot of things just fell into place for him last year, too. Um, I think that a lot of times it just went, it just was too easy and it went too well for him. And I and I can see the regression coming, too. I agree with that. Yeah. Mm. So another guy I got, I got uh, one of my. I so I'm a Phillies fan. It's hard for me to say. Uh, I got Reese Hoskins. Um, oh, oh wow! <laughs> Reese Hoskins, dude, is currently no. he's currently going. His ADP is 39th overall. He's going as the 15th outfielder off the board. Uh, this is a guy. I don't know if you guys remember. He fouled the ball off uh, into his jaw last year, and he broke his jaw. Um, you know, he, and he went on the DL for a little bit, but before he hit the DL, you know, for the first, you know, for the first two months of the season, this guy was only hitting 233. He had a 778 OPS with six home runs, a 32% strikeout rate, um, you know, and a 341 Woba, you know, he wasn't really doing anything. And a lot of people kind of, you know, they think, oh, they just wrote it off to, you know, maybe he was injured. He'll go on the DL, even though he broke his jaw. Uh, when he came back, he was he was a little bit better. Uh, from June 9th to September 30th, he was hitting 251 with an 83 OPS. He had 29 home runs. I'm sorry, 28 home runs, uh, 68, 61 runs scored, 68 RBI. Um, you know, a little bit better uh, with a 374 Wolva. You know, this is a guy. He, believe it or not, he's this guy's six foot five, but he his hard contact rate is only 34 percent. It it really didn't change at all last season. And, you know, his hard contact, I don't know if you noticed, this is more of an eye test thing, but when, when he swings, Reese Hoskins is the guy that he breaks his front leg. He basically kind of, you know, when he swings, he doesn't load up on his front leg more. He, like, kind of breaks his knee and bends down a little bit. So I just think he is kind of what he is. Um, I think that the hard contact is going to probably stay at about 34%. And this guy is – he. He hits the ball in the air. He hits a 50% fly ball rate. He's one of the highest in the league. And I just think that, you know, 
there's something to say about a guy hitting the ball in the air way too much that affects the stats. I I think this guy's you know he's a great guy for Roto. He's he's a potential you know he's a potential 40 home run guy. I mean in this lineup he could get you 100 RBIs because I think he's slotted to hit cleanup right now. But I think he kind of is what he is. He's he's a better in a Roto league in my opinion than he is in a points league. Because I just don't see a lot of growth in this guy's profile. I kind of think that, you know, yes, he does have elite play discipline. You know, uh, walked at about a 10% clip last season. That could go up. But I just kind of think he is what he is. And I just don't think he's going to you know, take a step forward and get a lot better, which a lot of people think he is. And, you know, going in the third round, I just I, I, couldn't, I can't spend my investment there, you know. I'll agree with that with Hoskins. I mean, I love Hoskins. And I, I actually picked him up in one of my leagues two years ago. So he came up and hit the 18 home runs in 50 games, and I wound up keeping him in that league. But this year, I didn't keep him because dude, I wound up trading. Like same story as me, real quick, dude. Same thing. Picked him up, and I didn't keep him this year. Did the same thing as you. Yeah, because it's just well, I, I mean, I love Hoskins, and I, you got to look at it this way too. And I think, I think the counting numbers are going to help because he's in a. Like you said, he, he's got some good play discipline. He's in a good hitter's ballpark. And now they have Harper, McCutcheon, Segura. I mean, he's got a lineup around him. Last year, he really didn't have much, dude. I mean, Cesar Hernandez, yeah, he was fine at the top of the lineup. But, I mean, Odebel Herrera, Mikel Franco. Uh, you know, what they really have, that's what hurt them last year was the lineup. You know, and the defense, and they've improved both. So I, I, I think Hoskins is Hoskins is going to be solid. I mean, I agree. Third round, yes, that's rich. That's too rich for my blood too. And I don't have Hoskins anywhere in in yeah. all all my leagues. I don't have him either because he's going, like you said, third, fourth round. I'm not. I'm not paying up for that. Agreed. And yeah, he's so. a guy like he—he's not going to hit you for—he's not going to hit you for average. I mean, if he, if he hits two fifty, you're lucky. You know, he's not—he's not, he's not going to hit for a high average. I don't think he's really going to bump it past right. He's bet, yeah, he's better in. Uh, see, one of my keeper leagues, we do OPS instead of average. So OPS it, it makes it a little more interesting. Guys like Hoskins, um, you know, Carlos Santana, even like Brandon Nimmo. Even Bryce Harper, I mean, because Bryce Harper doesn't hit for average. He had two forty nine last year, but he had three eighty eight on base percentage. <laughs> you know, what I mean, so I like. I mean, that's one thing I do like about that league. It's OPS, so you can get guys like Joey Gallo. The strikeouts won't kill you. It's a category league, so OPS is there. Like you know, so he's still going to give you no matter if he hits two ten. With forty home runs, he's still going to give you an eight fifty OPS. So you're mm-hmm. fine with that, you know. So it depends on the league you're in, too, you know. So I get it. If you're in an average league, I I get that. I I still think I still think Hoskins is going to give you decent counting stats as far as runs, home runs, and RBI. I mean, he's not going to steal any bases. But if you're in an average league, yeah. I mean, if he regresses a little bit and he's hitting you two thirty, two forty, I mean, yeah. Third round, fourth round, it's just way too rich. Definitely. Agreed. I agree with that. I agree with that. What else we got on the docket, Alex? Yeah, so moving on, um, what are you guys, some of the players that you have in 
like spread across all all your leagues or some of your leagues? What do you got some of the shares like some players that are shared between leagues? Well, this is where I wanted to touch on Justin Turner. <laughs> Go back to him. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like we were talking about before. I mean, the dude is just – I got him um, – I have him in five of my seven leagues. That's how much I believe in this guy. And like Matt touched on before, like we were talking about it earlier, I, in the TGFBI, I got him at 120th. I mean, in, in the draft, and it was like, wow. And actually, Bruce, um, Bruce Cagle, uh, he was talking about at the time, he was saying that I actually got him in the NFBC. I got him the latest of any draft at that point. Wow. So I was like, wow, really? <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I love Justin Turner. Justin Turner, the last two years, and this is, this is something I look at, too, when we're talking about regular MLB also, is a 300, 400, 500 split, like a slash line. That's what he's mm-hmm. averaged the last two years, mm-hmm. 300, 400, 500. I mean, this is, this is Hall of Fame credential stuff that he's doing. Agreed. The, last two Agreed. Ye- the last two years also, combined the last two years, he's had 106 walks and 110 strikeouts. His plate discipline is off the chart. You know, last year, 45% hard hit percentage and 26.2% line drive percentage. The dude just, I, I mean, I'm sorry, but the dude just kills the ball. He rakes. He's in a free agent year this year. He's in a great lineup in L.A. in a bad division. I mean, the divisions. I, I know people are looking at San Diego's doing all these things and blah, blah. And San Diego will be decent. They'll make some noise. But they're not ready. They don't have the staff. San Francisco's, uh, San Francisco's a dumpster fire at this point. I mean, they have nobody. <laughs> you know, and Arizona's rebuilding. And Arizona's rebuilding. Yeah, Arizona's starting staff is decent. They still have Granky. They still have Robbie Ray. They have Godley. I get that. They get Taiwan Walker back in the middle of the year. I, 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 that's fine. But honestly, Justin Turner is, like, like Matt said before, I mean, he puts together a full season. He's an MVP candidate. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. I mean, so he's one guy that I have a lot of shares of. Another guy I have a lot of shares of is Brandon Nimmo. I, I love Brandon Nimmo. Hey, this guy's only got 830 plate appearances in his career, and he's 25 years old. He's ready to take the next step. He has 17 home runs and nine stolen bases last year. I could see him as a 25-15 guy, especially batting first or second in that lineup. His walk percentage last year was 15%. His strikeout percentage dropped over 1.5% from the year before. He had a 404 on base percentage last year. As a 24, 25-year-old player with 800 plate appearance, I mean, the kid, the kid but mm-hmm. I, honestly, I honestly can see Nimmo being, being another Yelich. Mm-hmm. Not to the MVP level like that, that Yelich was last year because Yelich had ridiculous September. But I could see Nimmo boosting the average rate up to like 270, 275, 
OBP of like 420. And like I said, 25 home runs, 15 steals, 110 runs, 80 ribbies. I could see it. Definitely. Yo, another guy real quick I want to talk about, uh, Yohan Moncada. Uh, this guy was a former number one prospect. He got his he got his opportunity and he got, you know, every day at bats last season, full, you know, full playing time. Uh, really didn't produce the way he was expected to. Um, this guy, you know, again, like I said, he was a former number one prospect. This guy stole um, 90 plus bases between in the minor leagues in 2015 and 2016. Uh, a lot of people are kind of Scared off by his profile because I think he only hit 230 last season. Um, sorry, he hit 235 last season, uh, 33% strikeout rate, which is atrocious, but he had a 10% yeah. walk rate, which is pretty impressive for the first season in the league. And a lot of people think this guy's a free swinger, they kind of they kind of polish it up that 33% um, strikeout rate to just him swinging all the time but actually that is completely the opposite this guy has a 23 percent chase rate when the mlb average is a 30 percent chase rate so this guy is not swinging the pitches out of the zone but he does have a 12 percent swing strike rate the reason for that is because his contact rate is pretty it's pretty bad uh he's 70 percent contact rate league average is 76 percent or sorry 77 percent contact so you know he is swinging you know he's not swinging as much as pitches outside the zone but he's swinging quite a bit in the zone and he's not making much contact which is why a lot of people think that he's a free swinger when it's really not the case you know if this guy mm. could literally just bump it up if he could bump his contact percentage up seven or eight percent you know this guy he sold 12 bases last season and i think you know he could be a 2020 threat you know this coming season i think a lot of people are sleeping on him he's going pretty late but I think this is a guy that definitely has some breakout potential in him, so I, I would keep an eye on him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with Makata. Makata's got the categories, too. I mean, he's got the counting stats. He's definitely good in fantasy, especially if you play, like you said, in like a category league. I mean, if, if he takes a step forward, he's he's easily a 2020 guy. Yeah. Without and doubt. I think, and I think that this team, this White Sox team, is – they could be sneaky good. I mean, I don't know if they're going to get a wild card or they're going to compete for, you know, playoff, but I think a playoff potential, but I think that these guys, you know, with Eloy getting the contract with him, we're seeing him on opening day with the Brayu, you know, do for a bounce back season. You know, I think that this White Sox team could turn some heads this season. I think, you know, Yoma Makata, he could definitely lead the charge. Um, and he's a guy that's just going late. So I think he's got, he's, he's got that appeal right now. And I, he's another guy that I literally have drafted everywhere. I think in, in six of my leagues, I think I have him in four. So I, I – and, you know, he's going, you know, in standard, you know, 12 team, he's probably going in the 11th, 12th, 13th round. And a 15 team, he's probably going in the 10th or 11th. Um, you know, and there's a lot of value there, especially if you can get him as, a, you know, a, you know, as a middle infielder. Uh, you know, even if you get him as a second baseman, I think he, he could break out, you know, because second base is pretty shallow. And, you know, after the Altuve's and the Whitmerryfield's little world, there's really not a lot left. So, you know, you could take a late round gamble on this guy. And I mean, he could produce for you and he, he could be a league winner if he kind of lives up to his height. So. Definitely. Yeah. So got, you guys have anything else you want to add to it or is that, is that going to be it? I got one. I got one bold prediction that I wanted to say about fantasy because there's one guy I really like this year, and I think he he's gonna be 
bounce back, kind of bounce back player of the year mm. is uh, Rugnet Odor. I love Odor's stuff. I love his his um, his profile. I mean, the guy was a 30 home run hitter for two years in a row. Got hurt and kind of never had the plate discipline. We have to remember something. Rugi Odor is 25 years old. It seems like he's older because he came up into the league when he was 19. Um, but the past couple of years, he's improved his plate discipline. His swing and strike weight rate went down from 12.9 to 10.4. His walk rate went from 4.9 to 8%, which is below league average, but it's still respectable. And even in the spring, his walk rate in the spring, granted small sample size, 47 plate appearances, but his walk rate in the spring was 10.6%. So he's, he's getting the feel of more of like pitch recognition that's what that shows me. When when the strike when the swinging strike rate goes down, and the walk rate goes up, it's pick, pitch recognition. Yep. He's got the power speed combo. He's always had the power speed combo. It's just a matter of him hitting the ball and recognizing pitches. And he's swinging less and less. The past three years, his O swing percentage, which is outside the zone, um, in 2016, forty one point eight. 17, 38.3. Last year, 35.4. So he's recognizing pitches, swinging at less pitches outside the zone. Granted, he had an off year as far as the power-speed combo goes, but his batting average went up from 201 to 253. He was banged up a little last year. I think with a full season of health for a 25-year-old second baseman, I think Rugnit Odor is definitely going to be Easily a top five second baseman in the league this year, if not top three. I think I Rugnet Odor is going to be a 30 20 guy love, this year. Love it. Mm. Love it. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm all in on him. I, I like him a lot. There are some second basemen that, like you said, second baseman isn't really that deep. I mean, now Tuve and Merrifield, uh, Cano, I'm not sold on. I never like guys switching leagues. Mm-hmm. I know Cano's got the history, and he's a he, he's an excellent hitter. So I don't see him falling off too much. But if you look at fantasy wise, Cano, if he falls off a little bit, two eighty five, twenty home runs, no steals. I, I mean, I would take Rugnet Odor because he could, with his plate discipline improving. He could hit 260, 270, give you 30 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and 90 runs and 90 ribbies. That's a 5-2 player in fantasy. That's a top third, That's top three rounds right there. And I honestly think, aside from Altuve and Merrifield, I think Odor could be the third second baseman in it. fantasy this year. Mm-hmm. Agree, so that's, that's my bold prediction. I, li- I like that's, that. That's, that's my guy. <laughs> Dude, and like you said, bro, he's 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 one of those guys. Like, I'm not saying he's the same level as Manny Machado, but like Manny Machado's been around forever. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like he's been around yeah. for like like eight or nine years. Odor's the same way. He's what? He's 25. He's literally 25, been around dude. forever. Mm. It's, he's been around forever, and he's just you know, and people forget that and they write him off. So I agree with that, and I love that take. Well, they also don't look at te- Texas Rangers. They like, well, Texas is neck. Good. 
You know, so they like, and this is the misconception too in fantasy is that like, well, if a team's not that good, well, then he's not going to get the, well, they're still going to score runs. Like, they, you know, exactly. and he bats in the middle of the, he bats in the middle of the lineup. Like, it's not like Rugnet Odor hits seventh. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's batting third. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, you got guys like that. You know, it's the same thing, you know, to go in another fantasy aspect of it. It's the same thing I always heard. And I always thought it was funny that, you know, when you're looking for saves, you're like, well, he's a closer on a bad team. Well, so what? They're going to play close games. They're like, they're still going to get saves. Yeah. But I always heard that argument like, well, this guy's a closer on a bad team. So he's not going to have as many chances. Well, no, that's not true. This is the same thing with like someone like Rugnet Odor. All right, maybe he's not in a good lineup. Beltray's not there anymore, and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? They still have Chu. They still have Mazzara. They still have Gallo. It's not a horrible lineup. And they, it's a hitter's park, especially in the summertime. Yep. I, I mean, I don't. And not only that, too, when you look at guys like him or even another guy I like to mention, Jonathan Villar. You know, he's in Baltimore now. Well, Baltimore's such a horrible team. Yeah, but Villar's going to be, like, leading off or batting second. Sure. They're going to let him so, run wild. Uh, yeah. And last year, he had 35 stolen bases last year. Mm-hmm. All right, so you take the hit in the average, and he strikes out a lot or whatever. But you know what? The guy's two years removed from 19 home runs and 62 stolen bases. Yeah. You're not going to take a chance on that? You know, same thing. Like, I'm not saying Rugno is going to steal 62 bases, but if you can get 30 home run power and 20 stolen bases from a second base position with the 260, 270, I mean, yeah. You know, people got to look at some of this stuff and realize that just because the guy's on a bad team doesn't mean you write him off. Because, like you said, like with Villar, both of them's got nothing to lose. They're going to run wild. Mm-hmm. Villar could steal 40, 50 bases this year. And uh, he's another guy too, Valar. He's twenty eight years old, twenty seven years old. Like it seems like he's been around forever because he was the Uber prospect at Houston back in the day when they stunk, mm, right? And he just never panned out. He was almost he almost took the path of like a Jurex and Profar. Like he came up, he was a middle infielder. They didn't know where to put him second short, you know, and he had all this talent. Speed, power, combo, and blah blah blah, but the team stunk. He got hurt. He always had injury issues until Villar actually got a full time job when he got went to Milwaukee. He blew up. Yeah, you know. So sometimes that's what it takes is like you know just that chance and to realize to get that everyday playing time to realize what your swing is like to face major league hitters, major league pitchers every day. You know, and you get that, you get that feel. And these sometimes these things, these these opportunities, and these things like that. These are the things that the fantasy community sometimes doesn't take into consideration. We're talking about human beings, and I said this on uh, Fantasy Gospel. I was on their uh, podcast a while ago, and I said this about Carlos Santana. Uh, as you can tell, I'm a big fan, but. He went to Philly last year and had a bad, like, first two months. And then he started hitting. And we all know the story about him bashing the TV with the bat 
because the guys are playing video games at the end of the year and stuff like that. Yeah, we've all heard that now. But he's back in Cleveland now, back with Tito as his manager, back with Lindor and Ramirez and those guys. You don't think that plays into his comfort level? You don't think he's going to improve on what he did last year? Like, yeah, the underlying stats, like we talk about hard hit percentage, line drive percentage, like stuff like that. Yes, that all plays part and parcel to it. But if you don't think that these other things, you're spending seven, eight months with these guys. You don't think that the comfort level will improve your play on the field? I mean, you're, you're not watching the same game than I am. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, sometimes the fantasy community gets a little too analytic and I get it. Analytics are very good with predictive and stuff like that. But sometimes you do have to look at the human aspect of it. And sometimes you do have to look at a situation like, say, a Carlos Santana or even a Robbie Cano going to a different league. And stuff like that. And he's not, it's not like he's going to a bad division. He's going to a great division in the least. He's going to be facing Scherzer and Corbin and Strasburg and Nola and Arietta. Guys, he, he, did, he hasn't faced. You know, so uh-huh. there's the other side of that too. And, you know, just the human aspect of it. Cano's been, you know, someone like him has been comfortable in Seattle. Like, I'm just using him as an example. Like I said, Cano's still a professional hitter. He's still a good hitter. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to hit 275, 280, 285, whatever. But I'm just saying, all things being equal, when you look at the stats, you can look at the numbers, and that is usually a very good predictor of things. But sometimes there are underlying things, underlying issues, underlying changes in scenery, changes in teammates, things like that, that have an effect. Mm-hmm. They have an effect, Absolutely. you know, and it can't be denied. It can't be just brushed under the rug and saying, well, these, cause I hear that a lot from people too. It's like, well, these guys are professionals. They make a million dollars. Suck it up. Well, yeah. Yeah. you can't just tell, you know, someone's emotions. So you, you know, the, the wife is in a new city. So now you go home, you're on a homestand. You go to wife. The wife's not happy about saying the kids up late at night. Like stuff like you don't know with this stuff, man. And that's why I always, you know, there's a human element here that things, you know, stats and stuff like that can't quantify. So you always have to look at everything. Yeah. There's always people saying like famous people can't be depressed or whatever, but it's, you know, it happens. It gets, it gets the spotlight might get too much for them even sometimes. Dude, I I don't subscribe subscribe to that theory either about these guys make too much money to suck it up i think you know dude imagine you were famous and imagine every room you walked into hundreds and thousands of people knew who you were and you didn't know a single soul like that's a lot of pressure on anybody you know like yeah sure. bryce harper bryce harper the 330 million dollars that he got you know but he's a media you know sideshow he's a circus mm-hmm. and like you know you got to live with that pressure every day and i mean yes these guys make a ton of money and they're doing what they were born to do and they, were, they grew up doing but at the same time it, it takes a toll on your body and your health you know Sure, and Bryce, someone like Bryce Harper seems like he embraces it, and yep. some people are like that. They embrace mm-hmm. the celebrity of it. You know, you look at Mike Trout. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, he should be the face of baseball," and blah blah. He doesn't want that, dude. He he's not that guy. Like you know, and he's from our area. 
Matt, you yeah. know, South Jersey, like, you know, down by South Jersey and stuff like that. He's not that media guy. Like guys like Machado and Harper and, you know, back in the day, like you even look back, it's funny because I was watching a video like Joey Bats, you know, yeah. with the bat flip. Mm-hmm. And like when he slid into Odor and Odor punched him and stuff like that. Like these guys love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Their, their media, like they, they, they like the spotlight. And that's all, that's fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not bashing Bryce Harper for that. He's fine with the spotlight. He wants it. Uh, good. I, I mean, I'm not bashing him for it. There's nothing wrong with him, you know. But I'm just saying, like, you know, looking at the human element of it, like, like you said, Alex, like just because these guys are celebrities, just because these people are celebrities, you know, you walk into a room with 100,000 people, yeah, some guys don't want that. They just want to do their thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they, mm-hmm. they just want to go out and do their job. And earn their money because they feel, you know, maybe they feel that earning their money is what they do on the field. Maybe someone like a trout or whatever. I don't, I don't know how my trout feels, but you know, maybe someone like that who's a little closer to. You look at some of the guys that are great players in the league, and you never see like interview. Like look at Anthony Rendon. Yeah, he doesn't like, have, he you doesn't ever see about like ever. You ever see like an interview with this guy or anything? Like, Never. and no. dude, and you look at his numbers, but dudes, I I picked him for NL MVP this year. He's every season. The dude year, is he's, he's consistent, and he's right in the MVP discussion every single yeah. season. Yeah, and he's, you know, he should be mentioned with the top third baseman. Like the Arenados and the Machado. Yeah, granted, Arenados got the gold gloves and everything. And everyone's a Matt Chapman fan now, you know, because yeah. of the year he had last year. But I mean, Anthony Rendon has been consistently great, top five third baseman in the league for the past yeah. five, six years. Like, and, and no one talks about him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's one of those guys that just, like I'm saying, like he just keeps to himself. Does this thing, you know? And then you get the quirky personalities like Joey Votto, like stuff like that. But this is what makes it all. This is what makes it all great. You have the guys that want the spotlight, then you have the Goliath guys that do great, and then you have the icons. You have the. It's a whole mix of everything, and this is what makes it. This is what I think makes baseball great. I actually think that there's something kind of beautiful about the way Mike Trout signed that, like. You know, they offered him that extension. It's almost like he wanted to do it quietly and avoid that media circus that he just saw Bryce Harper go through. And yep. like that, yeah. that yeah. really speaks volumes about him, about his personality, and about, you yep. know, because he could have, dude, he could have held out. And like I heard, you know, I was listening to Alex, I was listening to you guys before on your first pod. And I think, um, I think Joey said that he, you know, he could get $500 million. And, you know, I laughed at that. But then I was like, you know what? He probably could because he's worth it, dude. He's the best player in baseball by far, and you know he's worth that money. It's crazy to say that a guy is worth five hundred million, but he really is. But just the way he did it, he could held out. He could have got more money, but he wanted to do it quietly. He didn't want to be. He didn't want to be a you know media circus, and he didn't want to bring all that attention onto him. And that there's there's something to say about his character, you know. You know, and just his volume of personality about doing that. I think that can't go. That you know can't go unnoticed. Yeah, that's definitely some good points from you guys with about that. And um, 
you guys have anything else to say about, you know, fantasy-wise or otherwise? No, I'm good here, brother. Yeah, I'm good no. too, man. I think I think we touched on just about everything. All right, so you've been listening to the fan- the second episode of Too Much Pod Tar, and this has been the fantasy portion of our show. So we're going to have, again, we're going to have one regular MLB episode a week, which will be dropping usually on Mondays, and then uh, also fantasy, which will be dropping uh, around the same time, Monday, probably Mondays too, when we record. Right after we record it, it'll be the, it'll be the next day. It'll be coming out, and you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also now uh, Google Google Music. You just search up "Too Much Pod Tower" in the search bar, and you're fi- you should be able to find it. And also on the YouTube, uh, the the Scorecrow YouTube uh, page. So just search up the, the Scorecrow on YouTube, and then the page will come up, and then you can look at any of the any of the podcasts that we've had so far, which would be this one. And then the one we had the other day uh, about regular MB. So we'll be back next week. Oh, and also I forgot to mention the Twitter account uh, is going to be at the score crow. And also on Instagram at the, the score crow as well. And Facebook, the score crow and our Twitters again, our Johnny's is at J ball zero two zero two. Matt is, B I C, I mean B I S H P A P H A T, and mine is T P E underscore Scorecrow A K, and we'll be back Monday for another another big, regular MLB uh, podcast going over the first first pot, the first uh, weekend for the the regular season. So that's going to be exciting to you know go over what happened during the opening weekend in this opening series. It'll be a good, good episode to, you know, go, go over a lot of things that we've seen. So join us next time. Thanks for joining us. Smash out, I call my hoe and then I smash out I bought my bros, let's get this cash out I in my mind, drop the bag off, bag off, yeah I'm going to break, I don't make no bag